Hi Spurs people out there, Steve Perryman, podcast again. Uh, so looking at my career, because we are playing Crystal Palace next game, and I scored my first ever goal against Crystal Palace on Boxing Day 1969. So I think that's quite an event. When so many games, yet so few goals. As a schoolboy inside forward, I used to score regularly. But when entering the professional world in 1967, joining Spurs, because of the World Cup victory of 66, midfield players took over from the terms such as wing halves or inside forwards. My way of describing a player as time went on was to ask players, what did they consider themselves as? To do so, I'd ask, if we had three in midfield, one was the most attacking of the three, one was the most defensive, and one was expected to do some of both jobs. So asking myself that question, as a schoolboy would have been the most attacking, but as a young pro, under the direction of Bill and Eddie Bailey, amongst others, I was quickly put into the defensive role of three, as I had lots of energy, but definitely had a defensive awareness and conscience, which is so important in defending, and therefore a responsibility. So I was given my chance in between Martin Peters and Alan Mullery to bring about a balance in that vital area of the field. So why am I telling you all this? Well, it's to try to explain my lack of goals. Is the fact that I was labeled a defensive midfielder enough of an excuse? Well, not for everyone. I got a letter one day from a season ticket holder, probably a Noel, from the Upper West End, who asked me in his writing, do you know that you're wearing the number eight shirt previously worn by the great Jimmy Greaves until his departure to West Ham, of course? Yes, I do know that, I thought. And the fact that nobody else in the team wanted that famous shirt number <laughs> was borne out by his next statement to follow on. He said, not only do you not score, you don't even have a shot at goal. I suppose this gentleman may have been of an age when your shirt number described your role and position. Probably in the old WM formation. But that wasn't quite the case in the more modern or latest game tactics, especially after the World Cup, which saw the demise of the wingers, who being 7-11 in old money, fullbacks two and three, centre-back five, wingbacks four and six, inside forwards eight and ten, and of course centre-forward number nine. The point of all this, that my first ever goal 
against Crystal Palace on Boxing Day 1969, as I've already said. Actually, Boxing Day must have been a special day with my biorhythms or something, as my very last goal was on Boxing Day 1985 in a 1-0 victory over West Ham. The only good thing about not scoring many goals is that you can remember most of them. Not sure how Harry and Sonny will cope in future years, though. Typically, my game was pass and move. So any goal of mine would have to be a one-two on the edge of the box, as was with the case with the Palace one. Apart from that, I would have picked up some spare balls on the edge of the penalty box and have a chance to shoot. But being a defensive midfielder, I'd make sure that if the shot didn't end up in the net, it was far enough away that I had time to be able to get to recover my position to protect our back line. The biggest problem for me is in attempting to shoot, if that shot got blocked, cannon upfield with me out of position. Of course, especially in my younger days, I had enough energy to recover in normal circumstances, but every now and again, the block went a longer distance up to the halfway line, and then watch out if I ambled back with the ball being closer to our goal than me. Without the use of video evidence, like today, Bill Nick or Eddie Bailey would never let me forget any such laziness and that if that led to our goal being under threat. They would have described me as getting their horn and being carried away with playing football just leave that to the others, Steve, and get ready for when play breaks down and we get attacked. So there's, there's my excuse for not being a goal scorer. Um, sorry to the gentleman who, who, who wrote the letter, but that's the way it was, albeit, by the way, wearing Jimmy Greaves number eight, what's that got to do with anything? And if it has, how comes Ricky Villa beat about four or five players wearing number five shirt? Why weren't he back defending our goal? How comes he could score that great goal against Manchester City? So, Howard, um, give us your opinion of what you, uh, what you saw on Sunday there and our fantastic result against the Arsenal. How did you see it, Howard? Well, for us true supporters, nothing matters more than defeating Arsenal in the North London derby. Our comprehensive defeat of them last Sunday was great in all regards. Clinical finishing, clean, she clean sheet, power and confidence. There is some criticism of the way in which the game is played. Apart from the obvious retort that we want to win trophies, not be praised for the style of our, of our play, I would argue that we're certainly not simply lobbing the ball forward. So without getting carried away, I'm excited both about what we're achieving and the manner in which we're doing it. I feel that those two goals we scored on Sunday were a thing of beauty. They weren't just chance occurrences. They've occurred because they've worked on these things. And, and I thought it was a beautiful and brilliant situation. Well done. Well done. Well, I've been hearing this about, you know, are we playing the right style? Um, what I have to say is that style has been built over the years with great managers, the push and run team, Arthur Rowe, 
the double team Bill Nicholson. And it's obvious that they chose to play football that, that brought success. It's, it's our history. It's, it's the way they decided to play for us to be successful. And if either of those two managers were managing today, they can't just be playing a brand of football that they wanted their team to play if it wasn't relevant to winning games and being successful and getting people through the gate and, and making the, the, the club a viable business. So I, um, yeah, I, I, I love the fact that I'm attached to a club that's got such rich history uh, in terms of playing the game sort of in the right way, that's what we say. But I think you're right, Howard. I think that the goals were top, top quality. The way that they were struck, the way that they were constructed was amazing. And therefore, um, you know, why should the team come out second half and leave themselves open when the game is, is probably won? And I, I, for some reason, didn't have any fear in me that we were going to lose goals against the Arsenal. And that was a nice, uh, a nice feeling to have. So, um, so yeah. Any more, Howard? Um, going on to Palace. Quite rightly, you pointed out that I was closer to Palace than any other team, but I wasn't interested in that. I do recall being at school when a match was played between Palace and Real Madrid to commemorate the switching on of the new floodlights. Yes, some clubs, even into the 60s, did not have floodlights. Palace have spent most of their years flitting between what were, the, what were then known as the third division of English football and the top division. Their current standing situation of seven seasons in the top flight is their best ever spell. In the early 60s and 70s, they built a very exciting young side under Terry Venables, and he dubbed them the team of the 80s. One of their early games in season 79-80 was a very hard-fought match, which we won 4-3. In the late 70s, Palace added to their managerial ranks, bringing in Big Big Al, Big Mal, Malcolm Allison. In between Bill, Big Mal and TV, they would certainly be interesting. But sadly, despite their flamboyance and charisma, the club went down at the end of the season. At that time, I was director of Superdrug, and we sponsored a game. It was against Crystal Palace on, in March 1980. It, it was a very dull game, as we'd lost 1-0 to Liverpool the week before in the FA Cup and our season, to all intents and purposes, was over. Nevertheless, we awarded a certain captain man of the match. Do you remember that? Well, I remember what me thinking what good judges your super drug guests must be, Howard. And actually, it was the first time we ever met, wasn't it? It was. To, because I was voted man of the match, I had to go up to the, the sponsor yep. lounge and uh, very kindly got presented with something. I wish I could remember what now. Big check. Uh, a check, a big, big check. check, that's right. But not not in amount, I have to say. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned that team of the 80s. Um, they, they went about their, their work to create a team. And they went and got the best schoolboys available. Mm. And I'm going to name some now. Ian Walsh, Kenny Sansom, Jerry Murphy, Vince Hilaire, Peter Nicholas, Billy Gilbert. And that group of um, 
talented youngsters were managed by, it was almost called a young Terry Venables, John Cartwright. He was a, a, a brilliant young coach. And although he was sort of an FA coach as such, he was more technical in the way that he, he coached. And, um, and they made a very good team. They won the FA Youth Cup, which is always very important. And, and then everyone had such, such uh, hopes for them to be, as you said, the team in the 80s. It didn't quite happen for, for some reason. I think they run out of money or they run out of something. So it, it didn't quite happen, but it was a very interesting tactic of, of how to create your own team and your own way of doing things. Unfortunately, it just didn't work. And I, I named some very good young players there and they, they uh, swapped Clive Allen and took him into those ranks as well. So mm. there was another youngster, who, you know, an up and coming one, albeit not signed at the same time as all the others. So. But it was a very interesting way. I, I've always been into developing players. I'm a developed player myself through the Tottenham Hotspur system. Um, Harry Kane, for instance, Glenn Hoddle. I, I come back to the same point. Because they're homegrown does not mean to say they lack talent. And that you can all, all also go out and spend big money and buy in better talent than what you can produce yourself. And... I think Harry's proven that now. Glenn Hoddle proved it in, in our day. And I think, in a way, I proved it as a captain um, being my strongest suit as a footballer. Yeah, good times, Saturday. Good times. Absolutely, time. yeah. And Palace, in fact, had their biggest ever win in the top flight last weekend, beating West Brom 5-1. So we can expect a tough time on Sunday. Yeah, Absolutely. One last thing for me, Ray's son-in-law is Doogie Freeman. He's sporting director at Palace, so it will certainly be an emotional day for him on a personal level on Sunday, and we wish him well. Well done, Howard. Thank you very much. I, uh, I had an interesting conversation in the week um, with a, a chap that used to work for us at Exeter. Um, he played for Palace. I think he holds some sort of goal-scoring record at Palace, albeit he's a defender. The man's name was Danny Butterfield, who's, who used to work at Southampton and left to join us and then now has gone back to Southampton on the youth side of things. Well, I think he's looking after the loan players now. And because of Danny's past experience at Southampton, um, I asked him if he had knowledge of our midfield player that's creating a name for himself now. And, and it was quite interesting what he said. He said, Hoibier loves to defend. He loves to break up the opponent's play. And he, can, he really only wants to use the ball very easily once he's won it, which is exactly what he's doing for us and he's, he's doing such an important job for the club. Um, he also said, and this is the interesting point, that being attached to the youth development area of the club, OBA was the, the one player or, or, or the main player that they would send a young player to, to ask him how he became a professional, how he lived as a professional, 
what he ate as a professional, how he slept as a professional, because he was someone that they could go and learn from. So this looks like the perfect player we've signed to be that role model, um, because obviously Tottenham Hotspur, as well as being top of the league, you've, you've always got to think into the future and, you know, where's the next Harry Kane coming from? Where's the next Glenn Hoddle coming from? Nick Barnby, Mickey Hazard, Steve Perriman, if you like. And um, so they mustn't take their foot off the pedal in terms of uh, producing players. And that, that player doing su such good things for us in midfield is a, is a player that uh, can show youngsters the way to, to, uh, to prepare to have a good career. So um, getting near to the end, I'm, um, I've been asked by various people that listen to the podcast, could I give them a report on our, my house status at the moment? We've been, um, we've been moved in about a month, mostly unpacked. Uh, we, have, we live in a fantastic area in, the, in Wiltshire have wonderful neighbours, terrific people that we get on so well with, uh, been a great help to us settling in. And I've made it my job, you know, now we're unpacked, I've, I've reacquainted myself with this settee and, or the sofa, and I'm doing my job of guarding it uh, with my life, and um, which is almost back to the days of under Bill and Eddie of guarding our, our back line. So, I'm well versed in the job. So, yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, no mention here of Thursday's match because we're, we're doing this on Wednesday evening. Um, and good luck to us all at the weekend. It will be, as you said, Howard, it will be a difficult game. There's no doubt about that. And um, let's just keep the, the rhythm going. Let's keep the momentum going. And... Uh, keep getting those points and by the way if it's on the back of clean sheets i think we'll all be happy with that so uh, let's keep going good howard thank you well thank done you. Tom. and uh, all the people that give me um information from behind thank you all and uh up the spurs and we'll see you next week bye all <laughs>